Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to View with Mike G, the show of life, the show of Kurt Russell, John Carpenter, Whiskey, Anchor Spirits, CD stores back in the day, and so much more. Today's guest is the brand development manager for Anchor Spirits, Mr. Andy Maurer. We've taken a good amount of time to finally sit down and chat, and this was really great to sit down with Andy, the very jovial, very hospitable, hardcore loving, disco loving, music imbibed man himself. He does so many different things, and we get to dive into that this hour. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this great chat with Andy Maurer. Because it was totally a character that uh, anybody could have played it in that age bracket, but he played it with this like jovial, like, yeah, I'm God, no big deal. Yeah. Also, like, I'm gonna rule everybody. No spoiler, <laughs> spoiler alert for anyone. Yeah, like, <laughs> at this point, you did it. Done for. You know, we saw it in the theater, and it was one of those those nights where we underestimated the release and uh, kind of had to sit up front. Yeah. And at first, I was like, that's whatever, it's fine. I'm kind of, it was all right. It was cool. It was just like, I felt closer. I felt closer to God. Yeah, <laughs> almost. Well, not literally, but no. figuratively. Speaking. Figuratively, yeah. yeah. No, it was, uh, I didn't think the movie was as good as the first. Yeah. But I thought Kurt Russell nailed it. One of the best villains, <laughs> guys that you want to hang out with. You're very, yeah. It's very conflicted. It's like Walter White. Yeah. Walter White's kind of evil, but I still want to hang out with him. Yeah, I want to I sit in one of his classes. That's right. Yeah. Learn from the guy. Yeah. With Kurt Russell, man, well, you know, this may preemptively answer a question I'm going to ask you later, but what would you drink with Kurt Russell? What's uh, the thing? Like, man. what does he drink? Well, there, there's the whole uh, chartreuse thing. Uh-huh. Right. Oh, because of a Texas but, chili bar? Yeah. But, but I, think, I think I thought about this, yeah. obviously. I think with Kurt Russell, I would just be like, hey, man, let's go for a ride. And I would just drive around old dive bars in Hollywood. Oh, my God. Like, that would be like, like the best thing. Like, I would want to be with Kurt Russell. In the town that they filmed, um, oh, what was it? Uh, Lost Boys. Oh, dude! Like imagine Kurt Russell on the and like the town <laughs> in the little like uh, carnival, little pier place. Yeah, pier yeah like, it's like outside of San Diego or some shit. I can't remember. Oh, that's a brilliant. That's a brilliant yeah. documentary to be made. That'll be a great day. That'd be a great podcast on the road with Kurt Russell. <laughs> dude, that'd be awesome. Fucking done. All right, we're gonna have to work this. Hey, out. we'll do it. Absolutely. Well, you've had, I've done, one, I've been really excited to chat with you, Andy, for it's been a long going time on coming. A, a year, month, you know, some months now, because there's a lot to talk about. There is the booze, there is the music, there mm-hmm. is, I think, even a stint in sports when you're bit. in New York, right? See, maybe that's fathering, father, excuse me, following in your father's footsteps a little bit, he's an athlete, maybe, bit, baseball yeah. guy, perhaps. But this all starts, this whole trek, you are a New Yorker, is that fair? Originally from New York, I, w- I, w- I claim New Yorker. Uh, people try and fight me on it, but yeah. <laughs> born, born and raised. Uh, I was there for you know the first 17, 18 years of my life. Wow. So I figure I'll claim residence to the longest time I've spent in any place. Yeah, 
So far, it's still New York. Good. But in a few <laughs> so, years, however, maybe Houston. Hey, well, hey yeah. you know, that's, it, I'm not leaving right now. So. <laughs> what is it? Are we talking upstate? Is it Rochester? Is no, it, it was West, Westchester, Westchester. Um, right north of Manhattan. Oh, you, know, okay. uh, you know, the trains still go downtown. Um, so growing up there was really cool. I mean, being in, you know, my formative years of, you know, the yeah. preteen teens, being able to hop on a train for an hour, and next thing you know, you're in Canal Street. And I'm trying to find a charger piece for my mini disc player, you know, which nobody had <laughs> yeah. except for me for some reason. And I found it. And just like we're now I would tell people, like, yeah, I used to wander around Canal Street when I was like 14. They were like, why? why how? Why? That's crazy. How, why why did your parents let you do that? I'm like, oh, they were there, too. You know, oh, they were hanging out. Yeah, too. they were just like, well, you know, I would just wander off, though. And like that was <laughs> when, you know, Chinatown kind of ate everything up. Yeah. But it was fun, dude. I it got to, to seeing stuff and like, you know, because you, it's you're right in the midst of all these cultures. Yeah, you know that's the great thing about New York. I mean, yeah. there's there's a lot of benefits to it. But were your folks pretty well traveled? Were they very they open? Were. To- yeah, my, my my parents met in India. Oh no shit! Yeah, it's a cool story. I mean, I'll keep it short. But you know, my dad was a marine and he was at embassy duty, and my yeah. mom was, you know, traveling the world with my granddad who was in the military as well. So she was an army brat. And, yeah. You know, there's pictures and stories from them in India and Turkey and Thailand and, you know. I haven't even gotten overseas yet, and I'm just, <laughs> and we joke, and I'm like, hey, maybe one day I'll go. I just feel like I've been there because I've seen all this stuff on yeah. video Well, you come and from that, if you think about it. Right? Yeah. Genetically, like, you're this culmination yeah. of all this. So hearing that and their stories, and then growing up in New York where there's everyone, you know, yeah. I was very fortunate to grow up there, I think. That's amazing. Uh, the, you know, people say, like, you know, college was the best, but high school was pretty rad for me. Yeah. <laughs> Well, what yeah. kind of trouble were you getting into? It seems oh, like you're like a mix of all these things, but you have the build of a guy who can just de facto play sports. Yeah, no, I, I played uh, football since I was very young. Yeah, uh, you defense or offensive? Both. I played okay. everything on the on the line. I was <laughs> the guy just be a wall and protect everyone. <laughs> you're never going to score any points. Just deal with it. Yeah. Um, and I was I was naturally very skilled at it. Yeah. Um, did I love it? I'm not the kind of guy, I don't watch sports, really. Uh, If I go to a game, I can follow it. I can see how people get into it. But I was never like, I want to be a New York Giant. You know, I was always like, this is a lot of fun. There's a lot of mental and, like, planning that goes on and then physical parts. So uh, when I left football, I I had a minor injury on my knee. Oh, really? Not associated with football. Oh, not associated? (laughs) Not associated, but affected it. And uh, stopped playing my junior year of high school. And that's when... The music took over, and that's when I was, you know, I wanted to get a job instead of play football, and yeah. I was an art student, and I never played. I, I mean, I played drums when uh-huh. I was a kid, and I was very good. But Musical I never, fan? Anyone else play anything in the family? Um, some guitar. Not really. No. Wow. Yeah, you know, here and there, uh, very a lot of visual art, a lot of. Uh, wow. My my grandmother was an artist. What so. what uh, medium? Paint. Um, like, mostly watercolor paints. Oh, cool. Um, she had a studio, which I'll, I'll tell you all no about. No kidding. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's amazing. Um, but yeah, high school was awesome. I, uh, my first job was pretty cool. What was it? I, uh, I figured out that I wanted to work at a record store. You know, the high <laughs> Oh, fidelity, as if that's the, a difficult the, decision. The, the, yeah. the, the, the dream, you know, like, <laughs> I want to be in like high fidelity. I know exactly <laughs> what you need to listen to, lady. <laughs> yeah. So I, they had like one of these like, um, job fairs at the mall uh-huh. and there was a store there was a couple record stores in the mall 
which was like where you want to be in high school. Totally, yeah. You got to hang out at the mall. And um, I, I filled out an application for, I think it was Camelot Music. Camelot Music, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, I filled it out and I applied. And this guy walked over and he was this you know, taller dude, short hair, had a red polo on. And he was like, hey man, uh, where else did you apply to? And I was like, oh, just, just there. And he's like, can I ask you why? I was like, well, I only want to work at a record store, so why would I apply anywhere else? <laughs> <laughs> and he was the manager of The Wall, the, the, wall? the other record store in the, the mall. The competing one? Well, technically, they were the same company. Okay, okay. But it was the one that were like, they sold a lot of cassettes and, you know, a lot of like easy listening, yeah. you know, and uh, they had this this thing where they had a sticker on the CD and then if it, if it got scratched, you can bring it in and get a new one for free. That's crazy. Uh, they went out of business pretty quick. <laughs> but he was like, well, why don't you why don't you come interview with me? And I was like, well, you're sure. Let's do it. And uh, he was an old punk dude. No shit. Uh, yeah. He got me into a lot of really good music. And I, I learned a lesson by interviewing with a hat on, which I did because I had a big purple mohawk. Okay. And I was afraid that I wouldn't get the job, but I didn't want to cut it up in case I didn't get it. Right. You know, because it's, you know, it's a hard you're, you're 16. Balance. It's an investment, you know. Totally. <laughs> And then uh, he was like, your hair is fine, but don't ever interview with a hat on ever again. And I was like, cool. Amazing. And I worked there. Uh, was he like, was he, a, it'd be funny if it's like, oh, it was Greg Hudson from the Circle Jerks. I, I wish. He, I mean, he wasn't, like, it's, it was so long ago. I wish, like, I think now, I wish I could go back in time yeah. and just like, like videotape myself. And be like, oh, you did that. You were there. You saw that band. That's amazing. Like, you walked past that guy. Yeah. Like, you just, it's no big deal. But it being no big deal is kind of a cool thing, too. It is. You know? I mean, I worked at Best Buy for some time. I got I, fired from Best Buy. Did you really? Yeah. What department? Media? <laughs> uh, um, um, mobile. Mobile? Yeah. Oh, fucking mobile. I was in New Jersey. God, dude, that place. Yeah. But yeah. I ran in. I helped Greg Hudson <laughs> with buying CDRs. Oh, that's cool. It was so strange. Yeah. The dude that's like on all the vinyl is like, which, yeah, which yeah. Of these are the best CDRs. Like, I was selling car stereos. <laughs> <laughs> we all paid yeah. our dues in some way or Amen. another. But so at that point, when you're thinking about this transition to art, obviously it makes sense being surrounded by music mm -hmm. as your job and all these people coming in looking for cool shit. What kinds of things were you listening to that really formed your perspective on music at that time? Oh, man, that time it was a lot of punk mm -hmm. and metal. And hardcore. I mean, hardcore shows in New York were it. Oh, yeah, dude. You know? Crow Mags, well, Helmet, Post Hardcore, Subhumans. Subhumans, yeah. Even like Madball, Sick of yeah, All, dude, oh, yeah. H2O. Huh? Yeah. That brings back like, a lot of uh, early Warped Tour memories yes. for me. <laughs> a lot of sneaking into Warped Tour. Hell yeah. I have my methods. What was the kind of the real appealing part of that music? What was it that you really kind of connected with, it, with that type of stuff? Well, I remember, I mean, going to CBGBs when I was. He's younger. <laughs> I, I always say that people are like, "Are you serious?" They're like, oh, it's there for you. Either so you go, "What's well. that?" Or really? Yeah. Um, I mean, I had no idea. Like, I had a really close friend in, in high school, and he was in a band, and he'd have band practice at his place, and you know, I'd walk over from my house and and crash band practice and hang mm -hmm. out, and then you know, we'd all you know drive to the train and have the train down in New York, and you know, I'd be, I would see. Um, like most precious blood and walls of Jericho. Oh my gosh, and, that's, that's and, uh, cool. Yeah, all these like hardcore shows and punk. I was, I was, it was terrifying. Mm. Why? <laughs> just because it's well, just because you don't know. And there's all these these people that. I mean, at that point, it was a dangerous atmosphere. Yeah. To be in. Um, you it, get in a lot of fights. 
Uh, not yet. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's a different time. <laughs> but uh, it was it was just like the energy in these rooms uh, and the people just all knowing all the words and like you know fist pumping and it, it's it, counterculture kind of isn't it? It was so cool, man. And and there's just so much energy. And despite it being angry music, everyone was kind of like banding together yeah. against the world. Uh, you know the most beloved and accepted place I've ever felt. Maybe besides like get married and shit. The Bad Religion Pit when I saw them. I saw it multiple <laughs> times, but that pit is not about violence. It's about unity and it's about organization. It's yes. so strange, right? Yeah. But it's weird how people perceive punk to be so subversive, so angry that people are brainless, <laughs> that they're ripping at each other's throats. Derelicts. Yeah, exactly. Because exactly. they got funky clothes and don't care about material yeah. things. And it, they do. They're the people that fucking <laughs> really change the world in a great way. When yeah. They get older. I mean, there's the whole thing, punk is not dead or punk is dead. Yeah. It's the thing that happened. It's never going to go away. It's no, just not no the way. same again. Yeah. It's a, so. it's like it's a counter-revolution. Now, yeah. it's a little mm, homogenized and sanitized, perhaps. These it's kind of the cocktail scene a little bit. A yeah. little bit, yeah. <laughs> well, so this trek, this kind of desire to create and work with probably a visual medium with art, and you were doing some music, this mm-hmm. leads you to North Carolina for art school. Is that correct? Yeah, I actually moved down my senior year of high school, which was horrible. Why? So what, what happened? Um, my, my grandmother, my grandparents lived in the mountains yeah. outside of Asheville. Is that the, are those the Ozarks officially? No, those are, those are the Smokies. Okay, the Smokies. Yeah, yeah, the great Smoky Mountains of North Carolina. Beautiful. Uh, beautiful. In the, I used to spend summers down there when yeah. I was a kid, and I hated it. But I also love it now. Yeah. Um, she wanted to be closer to... My grandmother, who was ill, yeah. and I was a senior. It, things were great for me in high school. I was yeah. like, I was the guy, I had the job, everything was cool. We're moving to North Carolina, and I was like, oh, great. I'm going to go cow tipping and, you know. So yeah. we moved to Asheville. Which, Where of Asheville have not been? Asheville is amazing. Is it? But when you're 17 and you're from New York, it's the worst thing you could do. <laughs> is it just the pacing? Is it the people? The people, the pace. I mean, even at that point, Asheville wasn't cool Asheville yet. Yeah. Um, so I went back home, finished high school, no hung shit. out for like a year, just like, you know, punk rock kid, yeah. post high school, uh, and then went down to do, to do school in North Carolina, and I ended up going to design school Which, What kind Charlotte. of design were you working on? Uh, it was, yeah, computer, uh, multimedia, uh, graphic design, video editing, stuff like that. Where did you see, it's hard to kind of transplant ourselves back into that moment necessarily, but... Where do you see that going? What is the career that emerges from all of that work in art school? I mean, or does ho- it matter? Hopefully, hopefully, like it's a very linear school, and you're like, I'm going to be a graphic designer, right? You know, um, but I had no idea what that meant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even in school, and yeah. while I was in school, I was working because you know it wasn't like wasn't a lot of money flying around. So, yeah. and art school is very demanding. Time I'm in and out of class, so I didn't do so good. Um, in a lot of the, like, uh, the super strict classes. Yeah. Um, but once they let the, the shackles off, you're a little bit better. I learned a lot. Yeah. And that's what people don't realize about school is that you can learn a lot if you decide to learn a lot. Totally. It might not be what they're teaching you. Right. But you learn stuff. And I'm doing more graphic design now for fun and photography than no I have shit. ever. Um, because it doesn't feel like a job. It's yeah. just just fun naturally flowing through you yeah but while in school was how i got started in the booze industry is it the cool. standard story you needed some extra money to pay for school yeah i needed money to live really <laughs> <laughs> you know we, we lived in this pretty cool uh, uh cool is a, a loose word for it um pretty 
popular party house. Yeah. Um, and not like college frat parties, but like, you know, what what would what would eventually become the hipster movement. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of a lot of house shows. I was gonna say like, there's yeah, you guys bound to have had house shows. A lot of house shows. I yes. Yeah. I did the same thing in yeah. Marcus. But, but that's um, there's a certain time and place you'll always look back at that and be like, those were fucking awesome days. Dude, we tell stories. I was in New York recently and telling stories about it and someone was on the phone and they said, Hold on, I can't talk right now. I'm with Andy Maller. We're revisiting the motherland. <laughs> Like and I'm, I'm having to corroborate his stories because no one believes us. Um, and looking back, I'm like, how did we get away with that shit? <laughs> uh, so one day, one of my friends was like, "Hey, um, they need they need bouncers at this club downtown, yeah. and I know you you want some extra money." Uh, and I was like, "Well, let's go talk." And I was it was my 20th birthday. No shit. Yeah. I oh 21st. Okay. I just I had just gotten there. I think I think I was 20. I was 20. Yeah, I was right. I was, I was 20 years old. And I showed up, and uh, the guy at the door, the the bar manager, was like, "So, do you have any, uh, you know, you know, security experience?" And I was like, "No." Do you have any fighting experience? Well, I used to get in a lot of fights. Um, <laughs> just give me something to go with. And I'm like, "Well, yeah, that's that's about it." And he's like, "All right, well, I like you. So, show up tomorrow, black shirt, black shoes, black pants, flashlight, um, eight thirty. Let's go." And deal. Yeah. What kind awesome. of what kind of club was it? Uh, it was a restaurant. Oh. Day and night, and uh, it was like a tapas restaurant. So what's the security for? Uh, at night, it became a club. Oh, shit. There okay. was no transition. It was like business lunch all day, uh-huh. lull, and then dinner, happy hour, and then there was a big bar downstairs, big bar upstairs, and it became just like DJ, dance club. You can still okay. smoke inside. It was like the place to be. Really? Uh, and that's where I learned a lot of stuff. Had you a know. deal. Dr- no, I'm just kidding. no yeah. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot of life lessons to be. I learned everything you learn in Roadhouse without watching Roadhouse, <laughs> which I watched last night. Uh. Oh, dude, don't get started on Roadhouse. That that movie goes real dark. And I love that. Like the third act seems almost like a vengeful, a revengeance yeah. flick. Right? It's like, it's like a kung fu flick. Yeah. Well, it's so weird because it's kind of honky tonk. There's this like loose feud going on, and then all of a sudden a dude gets speared. Or whatever, you know, or, yeah. or there's a truck that runs over a house or some, something. Explodes. Yeah, it just becomes just like a John Woo film all of a sudden, and then, and then it becomes a kung fu movie. It's amazing. Um, well, that's it, man. That's well, I learned, yeah, I learned thing. like how to deal with drunk people, and you know, and I was watching these bartenders do crazy volume, and at that point, cocktails lists were you know a page of fifty martinis, yeah. quote unquote. What year are we talking roughly? This is probably two thousand five, six. Yeah, two thousand five. 2005 or 2006, maybe a little bit before that. Um, yeah, 2005. Yeah, um, yeah, it's not not much happening yet. No, in that, that no, field. especially in North Carolina. Uh, but it was crazy. I moved up really quickly from the front door to a bar back, mm. uh, and then to a manager. And then that's when I said, "Well, hey, like, I'm the kind of person I can't tell you what to do if I can't do it myself." Oh, yeah, good point. So I need the Sam Malone of this place to like, oh teach God. me teach me what you know. So, cheers. <laughs> real quick, how did you know that I was binge watching through Cheers again? I didn't know. I, I I do it all the time. Me too. I just get you know the Earl episode. Oh Earl yeah, comes. That's probably one of the greatest episodes of a show ever. I, my favorite is when Woody does the mixology mail-in competition. Oh my god, that one's really good. <laughs> <laughs> it's so crazy. All right, so real briefly, but this actually is a great parallel to cocktail narrative and the culture. Sure. Right? Remember when the bar gets turned over? And Sam went and he wrecked his boat. It's that first episode. He comes back and he's yeah. like, well, I wrecked my boat and he probably need a job. And there's that really, really stuffy 
pretentious bartender. Yes. They're like, we're going to order the Screaming Viking. He's like, I guarantee you I know what this cocktail is. And they ambush him. But it's like, that guy is a, what's the word? A harbinger of the current state of cocktails. But that was in the late, late 80s. That was in the late 80s. Yeah, 88, I think. Mm-hmm. It's and crazy. that bar, it's one of my favorite bar designs ever. It's amazing. It you is know? actually telling of the future and the present in both mm-hmm. the cocktail culture, cocktail trends. I see bottles of Old Forester back there all the yeah. time. It's killer. It's in other fun. words, it's research. Uh, it was in, in one of my like bios recently. For the for the new job yeah. announcing, I think the last line of it was, you know, Andy currently resides in Houston, does not own cowboy boots yet, but has confidently seen every episode of hit television show Cheers. Oh my god! Um. <laughs> I knew that this would work, Andy. I thought that this would be just a lovely chat when yeah. he drops Sam Malone's name. He's a fucking terrible person, though. Terrible. And I learned more and more about how bad he is. I'm like, God, he is really. What just about terrible. what about the episode where he had a hairpiece? He took. Because he really did. It was it was at it was at the end. Oh, really? It was towards the end of the series, and uh, he brings he brings her in. And he's like, "I'll tell you a secret. Since you slept with that guy, like this isn't real." And <laughs> he pulled this little tube. Oh day my off. gosh! Yeah, that's amazing. Because yeah, he went bald in the back. Mm-hmm. Really, really, yeah. really. Even like as early as Body Heat, right? Which is like early eighties. Great fucking. <laughs> anyway, so the Sam Malone, the multi talented guy. You got to mm-hmm. get in there. Got to get in. Work through the ranks. Did you? How, what was your relationship with drinking like at that point? Oh, man. Uh, I had a sweet tooth. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I mean, I had just turned... I was 23 by that point, or 22. So my 21st birthday was at the bar. Mm. Um, and, of course, it was like, let's get this 21-year-old wasted really quick. He works here. Um, which was, you know... Yeah, that's what you do. The beginning of the end, I guess. <laughs> um, now, at that point, uh, when I was learning how to make cocktails there, it was learning their way and drinking for me was a lot of whiskey yeah uh it was beam and diet was my drink really? no beam and ginger beam and i was ginger. drinking beam and ginger uh and sometimes because there was a bunch of nightclubs that we were a part of and yeah. i had access to but i wasn't really a club guy i just had access to it mm. so we would go for just for people watching and for fun and you bring a bunch of punk kids into a nightclub and <laughs> vip it's hilarious and everyone yeah. thinks you're in a band um there it was like you know flavored stuff and the charlotte was the red bull and vodka capital, capital. of the world at wow. that point um yeah, a lot of whiskey really yeah it really hasn't changed that's i mean that's good yeah. true and true that's a, there's nothing more punk than whiskey yeah well, Mescal, perhaps. but oh, yeah. that's not that's really true. available nor is it cheap so no <laughs> that doesn't really work well so then i'm kind of wondering all this stuff builds up i'm sure you're working in other places after this because you really want to I would say flex your brain muscles that you've learned all of this stuff. Yeah. Did you have another big gig before you ended up moving to Texas? Or Yeah, the biggest one, I had left that group and then took over a different place. And that's where I really got into cocktail. Mm. And it wasn't perceived as well. And that's when one of the partners from the other group, who was an old DJ, yeah, like a really well-known like DJ from 80s, 90s, and beyond like billboard recording arts oh, guy no shit. um i thought he was the coolest dude and he was like hey man i got this new place i want you to come and you know work yeah uh and that was soul and yeah. that's when i really got to do a cocktail program uh, that's, and that's where it all started and that's where everything kind of came together that's the thing right it's like the yeah. karate kid and i use this analogy a lot but you learn these things you don't think are related at all well i didn't have anybody to learn from you really? Know, like the, there was no, there's no cocktail so bar. There's no sensei. And yeah, there, I mean, like 
you know, a couple of the guys who I used to work with have some really cool programs now. Um, I learned a lot of fundamentals and yeah. and uh, the building blocks, but there was no place to go watch someone stir a cocktail or use, you know, sh- strainers the right way or have ice. Yeah. Ice is just what melts in your drink at that point. So, so where do you learn? Where do you go to get these I, resources? I read a lot. Yeah. Um, and then I remember Manhattan Cocktail Classic. Oh, man. In like 14, I had took... I had taken one of my friends who was a budding photographer. Mm-hmm. And I was like, listen, I got to go to this cocktail conference. It's very important. I need to see this stuff. because I think I'm doing it right. Mm-hmm. And everything, I, I just need to see it. Uh, we went up there for that. And that's when it was just like, okay, I got the right idea. But this is super intimidating. Yeah, You know, because at that point in New York, everyone mimics each other. And they're all very rigid and like, doing the certain moves and it was hard because I was the only one at my bar that was doing that and trying to teach a bunch of bartenders who have never done that to do it. It was a long time, a long period of time to do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah so I learned, I saw, I, I traveled, I watched, you know, I would go from there to, you know, New Orleans for tales. And then, you know, I had a very distinct uh, style mm-hmm. uh, and being in a controlled state, we had a very limited palette to work from. Right. So I was having to be very, very creative with Fewer cocktail, notes, yeah. but I had a, had a really, really budding audience. I mean, the bar was and still is busy yeah. every night. So I kind of used that to be super creative uh, and think outside the box, like in the next room outside the box. Mm-hmm. Um, do you do you like fun. the piece? Being a musician and being an artist and things, there's this element of performance to it. Do you like? that social part where you can interact with people as well as deliver this creation oh it was great yeah um because you're you're on stage yeah (laughs) for a long period of time uh, and not everyone remembers that yeah so i I, it was fun like watching people come up and ask you questions and then delivering things to them that are (laughs) you Mm. know there's a certain um there's a certain gift that you have to have to be able to to tell someone that they're horrible and then they want to give you money. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> it's a strange, it's like, a diff- and then find out what makes them happy. Yeah. You know I mean? That was always a thing for me. I would try different things. Like, you know, like people come in the bar and they'd be like, I don't know, maybe whatever. Uh-huh. Um, and I'd be like, well, how, how, what was, how was your day? Yeah. You know, like what's your name? Well, you seem like a jerk. I think I know, know it's work. No. Yeah. Well, I would just, I would like quiz them on stuff. Be like, what'd you do? What was the last thing you ate? And get them like thinking, and then I would, you know, break them down a little bit as yeah. I'm starting a drink. And no matter what I made, it was going to was going to be good because they came for an experience. Right. You know? There's an inflection behind the drink. I think so. Too. I mean, if if you give someone a drink or a cocktail or a service like with an attitude, it's not going to taste as good because they don't want to be there now. Yeah. Um, no, you're absolutely right. The way that colors change our perspective sure. about experiences, mm-hmm. smells, especially. Yeah. Cocktail theory, I guess. Yeah. You could call it. That's a, <laughs> there you go. There's the book yeah. for you. That That's is an it. amazing concept. <laughs> so what drives you then to Texas? Is it a woman? Is it a opportunity? It is an opportunity. I mean, in the back of my mind, I knew I wanted more because I was at a point where um, I had back surgery, which was debilitating. What What was the cause of that? You had the knee injury first. And yeah, that was that was minor, but the back surgery was up. Uh, you know, I was in a car accident when I was sixteen. Oh shit! And then you know, ten years later, uh, my back goes out. I actually was flying to Austin, and uh, I twisted on the plane. No shit! And I, like I had a herniated disc that just gotten worse. Oh wow! And then bartending in you know, 
doing movements that are unnatural yeah. uh, and high volume uh, just made it worse. Not to say bartending makes your back bad, no, but when no. you ha- when you have an injury that you know you don't really realize you have, uh, it got really bad. So I tried <laughs> bartending with it. It was mm-hmm. I was hunched over, you know. Oh, uh, so I eventually the pain got too bad. I had surgery, and I realized that um, you know I need to do something else. I want to see what I know that there's more to this industry yeah. than just owning a bar or you know, running a program or designing drinks or managing people. I know there's, there's something out there that is more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a path here. Uh, and then I got a, I got a phone call uh, from a sales rep who used to call on my bar, and he was like, hey, man, would you ever want to move to Texas? Uh, there's this opportunity for you yeah. if, if you thought about it. And I was like, well, t- shoot, man, tell me what, what's up. What's going on? And it was it was the job at that point in Glazers. Yeah, and wow. they're like, we want you to design cocktails and teach people what you know in Houston. Massive. Market. I was like, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I want to do that? Yeah, that's like the next step. Totally. You know? I mean, I'd seen all my brand ambassador friends do their job, which was a great thing. I mean, at a certain point as a bartender, you either want to go and open your own place and have your own child and right, you right. know grow your your plant, or you want to go and be a brand ambassador and travel the world and, and, you know, be that, yeah, like oh yeah. just teach everyone how cool it is. I was like, I get to teach everybody about all these brands and design drinks all day long. That sounds like a dream. Yeah. And it so was, when, it was great. How long was that, that gig then in, ty- in its entirety? Well, I, I moved two weeks later. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, uh, the move to Texas was, it was crazy. Uh, I just kind of did it, you know. Did you find it to be a little, at least a little more open-minded, which is strange in Texas and some places, than North Carolina? Houston was is a beast. Yeah. I mean, everything's more open-minded than North Carolina. Controlled state, you don't have access to anything. So yeah. I'm in Houston, and I'm just like, you guys have all this stuff. Oh, yeah. There's all this, like, product and these brands that I've never even seen before, and people are using mezcal. I can only get one right right for the past three years and you guys have that i can't even get that so it was like i was in like you know i handled willy wonka you know man uh, <laughs> yeah it's an amazing thing i think we take a lot of that for granted i mean we're we do I mean, everyone always you know yeah talks bad about like the four tier system and like the tabc but i'm just i remind them that it could be way worse sure and we have access to a lot of things that people take for granted yeah and i'm glad we're near the border we've got even better uh-huh. access there yeah, so it's been, that lasted for about two and a half years. So you were with Glazers for two and a half years? Yeah, I learned a lot. Like, I learned more in, in two and a half years than I had in a long time. Yeah. Does um, it, or the, I, I'm sure the experience on it on the whole was very positive, but did you see a lot of the minutiae and the annals of the industry that are a little bit darker, the paying to play? Oh, yeah. Interesting. No, I mean, I was... My role was at the forefront of of the line. Yeah. You know, I got to see the angels and demons. That's right. Um, and and on both sides, from the bars and and the suppliers. I've seen it all. And still, having, still a better man for it, though, yeah? Oh, totally. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I guess I learned a lot doing that from uh, more corporate-style business practices, mm. the, the vernacular that you would never learn from working behind the bar. Yeah. Uh, the way things work the the uh, you know it's like opening up uh a radio and seeing how the pieces work yeah oh yeah you know absolutely that's a great point um 
that that appeals to you because obviously this latest chapter seems to be yet another leg to this kind yes. of journey of yours, right? So you're behind the bar, you're in your, you, like you start from something like security mm-hmm. to behind the bar to opening your own, or not opening your spot, but building your own cocktail program and sure. then now going to, going to the sales piece. So you're learning all of these things. In other yeah. words, eventually you're going to be able to compete with the, the flying kick or kicking sweep the leg Johnny kind of thing like yeah. you have had all of the things that build you into this thing which I don't know what that will be but me either how in the <laughs> fuck did you get introduced to Anchor then uh, well Anchor was one of our suppliers yeah uh, at then Glazers now Southern Glazers uh, and, and it was one of my favorites to work with I mean as soon as I got there I was like I want to play with all of these oh yeah this is fun I mean and, and that, that role was I designed a lot of cocktails a lot of drink programs for places that weren't like ones that I would build, mm-hmm. but it was about going into these bars and being humble with them, being friendly, and thinking of this bar staff as my own. Because when I was in North Carolina, I was in Charlotte, yeah, I had to teach them how to do it from square one. So, you know, explaining to bars that this is a spoon, this is how you shake, this is what dilution is. They're used to someone saying, This is how you make this drink, do it like this every time or right. else. I would try and teach them. This is why. Yeah. So they can go and make more. Teaching them to fish. Teaching them to fish. Yeah. Um, so the anchor piece came in. You know, everyone always, you always have that, that, that vision of the future. Like what could be next? What right. could it be? Whether you like to or not, it always happens. And there were, I mean, I, I was asked quite a bit about, everyone's always getting the question like, who would you work for? Or, you know, like, uh-huh. would you, what do you think about this brand? Uh, which is great. Everyone's yeah. got their thing. And I, I made a decision uh, early on that it has to fit sure it has to be a part of you because <clears throat> at that point you're really that's you you're attached to it yeah you know how, how like, hard would it be if you hated the products man man i've seen it yeah, well i have to, <laughs> I have too but it's like to just go out to the public every night and be that disingenuous yeah that's i tough. mean it's tough and it's not me it's yeah. not who i am um so it just it happened to be where that was one of like the top that was probably the, the number one yeah. that I would say, if I could, I would go do this because I don't see myself as the person that could be attached to just one thing. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't hold one bottle in my hand the rest of my life and say, this is all I'm drinking. It's all I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, well, you've, you've acquired a masterful <laughs> portfolio of every kind of texture yeah, and flavor that, that you would want. It's, and there's nothing that I, I need to embellish on. There's nothing oh. I need to you know, change about the stories. They're all real. And everything was designed. The, what really sold me on it was um, sp- speaking with some of the guys at Anchor mm. and me telling them my philosophy on everything is I'm not going to give you what you want. I'm going to show you something you didn't realize you wanted. Ah, uh, yeah. That's how I've been from cocktails to creating programs to music and everything. And they were just like, well, that's what we do. So it just resonated yeah. immediately. And I was like, well, then let's do that together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's still, it's more um, another step and, and a more different direction, but yeah. the same, you know, stream. Uh, you know, I'm doing a lot of off-premise, on-premise. I like it because for me, it's not just the role of a brand ambassador. Mm. It's a brand development manager. Uh, so there's sales involved. Sure, it's like I said, it's a education big portfolio. Too, right? Education, yeah. um, 
Well, so this it's fun, <laughs> ma- like a massive. Like, so we got everything from Japanese whiskeys mm-hmm. to aperitifs, aperitifs, gin, Texas, whiskey, gin, rye, whiskey, American whiskey, mm-hmm. all of it. So this deep plethora of wonderful spirits. Yeah. Give me, I'm not a favorite, right? I don't like that question, but what is something that is amazing that people really don't realize is amazing? Something that's a sleeper in your book. Right now, like, what am I drinking right now? And that could be <laughs> it, right? I mean, we're drinking the yeah, we're, we're drinking, <laughs> we're having, some, we're drinking some of the Kina Lear Dior, <laughs> which is delicious. I didn't know I wanted it, but fuck yeah, I want yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, it's great temperature. It's, yeah. it's perfect. For, so that's my summertime you. drinker right now. God, it's so good. This is the Kina and Rose. Yeah, uh, it's delicious. But I think, I think um, the big sleeper. I think people are kind of sleeping on on Calvados a little bit. Oh, don't don't get me started. Yeah. I, Completely agree. I think they are, and we've got we've got some great ones. Which ones are you guys? Uh, Christian Druin. No shit. Yeah. Oh man, that's a great. Yeah, one. I've recently had the pleasure of tasting some really old vintages. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I mean, it's it's like a adult apple juice, dude. Oh my god. <laughs> There's a bottle I went to to Calvados recently, and I brought back a bottle, a celebration bottle, nice. 1972, unfiltered, unproofed, 51 percent Calvados. That's so Demain good. Dupont. So. I know there's a short list for yeah. this bottle, no, and no. we'll have to talk. We'll have to drink. We'll have to. Well, yeah, it. we'll have to sit and drink some old years because that's incredible. But the cool thing is going through the years of Calvados. Unlike other spirits I've tasted, <laughs> they're all so different. Like totally, ten yeah. years changes so much. Yeah, you can go from Jolly Rancher to like like weird apple skin like that. Yeah, you know, it's a very rewarding category. Mm-hmm. You know, because it. The thing about apples is we all, as you put it, it's adult apple juice. We all get apples. We're familiar mm-hmm. with apples. But have we ever really dove into trying to experience an apple and all of its glory and its darkness? Yeah. You know, it's kind of different. And that's the great thing about Cavados is it, it's an examination of this fucking fruit. And it takes you in all these different directions. So that is brilliant. And I I will be absolutely calling on you sure. to, to sample some of these things because I didn't realize that Inca was bringing that in. Oh, yeah. We've got the Christian Juin. Uh just oh, delicious. Dude, that's crazy. Amazing reputation there too. Yeah. And all of the wonderful Tempest Fugit stuff mm-hmm. too. The Grand Classico is a favorite. A lot of cocktail bars. And, and then the, the ones that we make at the distillery. Right. Old Portrero, right? Old Portrero, Junipero, uh, the Genevieve. Yeah. Geneva. Dude, you go into any room and they'll say, hey, come on in, mate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's sit through all of these things. It's uh, The question I get most recently is, I walk in and someone they're like, "Oh, hey, Anchorman, do you have any Nika?" <laughs> I'm like, "Not today." <laughs> do you have any Kavalon? Not today. Uh, <laughs> dot dot dot. As everybody wants Japanese and Taiwanese whiskey. I know, it. man. It's so yeah. strange. I mean, it's Try just so change in the market, you know. Yeah, they want Calvados soon enough. They will, and bitter stuff. Oh, it's it's happening. Yeah, I think it's changing. People are changing. And people are going back to it. I mean, if you think about it, as humans, we gravitate towards bitter for the past few centuries yeah. like why why are we now thinking it's gross i don't know it's strange yeah. sanitization the, the, the tang movement the, the tang <laughs> movement yes and as you put it you know we have a flavor we have a taste for sweet things mm-hmm. you know well so then kind of get a couple other questions for you as you sure. kind of had this great kind of just brief stint here in austin doing the anchor thing and i love that we can call you the anchor man because that's <laughs> resonates quite well it's a great brand right sure. and, andy the anchor man yeah. I mean, he's even alliterative it's fucking brilliant if you were to somehow forecast and just peer into your 40s, let's say, 
I don't know. I have no idea where this road's going to lead you. And I'm curious for you, what's the Halcyon day? What's that dream look like that you're on your way to? Is it a distillery? Is it your own brand? What do you really kind of see this unfolding into? That's a question I ask myself all the time. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think for the first time in a long time, I'm super happy with what I have. Yeah. And I think, you know, in my 40s, let's fast forward 10, 15 years. Mm. If I'm still doing this, but I have all my other, what used to be possible career paths that are now just pleasurable hobbies, yeah, that would be amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. I think, do I want to open a bar eventually? Everyone does. If yeah. you've ever worked behind a bar, you're going to want to do it. I don't have the same want that others do. Like, I want it right now. I want my bar to be my retirement bar. Yeah, yeah. You know? We're like, bringing up Lost Boys. Like, I want to be the grandpa from Lost Boys, <laughs> like, in a dusty, like, awesome old bar where I can just have it and not really have any expectation of it. Dude, you know? Sam Malone, <laughs> right? Sam Malone. Retired ball player, just looking to sit down and relax. Yeah, man. Like, nothing, not trying to, you know, break any records. Yeah. Just kind of, you know, drinking what I want to drink. That's it. That's amazing. Um, but yeah, I think... Well, all the other passions that aren't booze related that are now booze related mm -hmm. that don't conflict, but they just compound on it. It's pretty cool. It is. It makes yeah. life a little more rich yeah. when you can combine music with booze. Yeah. And, art with booze. Right? And the music story has gone kind of by the wayside too. I'm DJing again. Yeah. AK Mauer. Is that the yeah, moniker that's, now? That's the one. Uh, dude, disco, man. That's, I can't. I can't even pay you for. for di I know. What, disco. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I love disco. And I love modern disco that tries to yeah. emulate. It, I mean, right? when I, when I was working at, at the cocktail bar, um, one of our the owner was a DJ, and yeah. you know, he taught me a lot about music and the transition from disco to house to yeah. '90s dance. And then we had this like super amazing old organic DJ setup in there, and all these awesome awesome djs would come in and play just to play there wow. uh and then i started doing it and it's a lot of fun That's and crazy. now uh you know now we're djing every sunday night or playing disco and it's you know from from the 70s to the 80s to yeah. you know post the disco sucks disco destruction day uh people are still making disco especially in like uh in scandinavia well yeah well straight yeah. up disco but yeah. you know so thomas from daft punk is producing the new yeah. arcade record mm -hmm. and tell me that doesn't just sound like a straight up disco straight up disco man for, like Giorgio Moroto is all over that thing it's for, yeah it's <laughs> all over the place yeah. and it's funny like even people you know they go back to this track and i'm sure you're well aware of this track but i had it's been undiscovered for me even though michael jackson's huge even though paul mccartney's huge but he has this track called say 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 Mm -hmm. which is one of the best songs ever. And the fact that it's a disco track that Paul McCartney co-wrote with Michael Jackson blows my fucking mind. So that's a song that I'm sure you're familiar with. Yeah. Even if you're not, fucking check it out. It's like, it predates Daft Punk and it's all of Random Access Memory. That's it. It's, it's amazing how it just kind of cycles back. People love the four on the floor, man. Yeah, and, and the response is different to disco. People yeah. are like, you're playing disco? <laughs> you know, like... I thought you were into metal, man. Uh, <laughs> All your tattoos would indicate otherwise. <laughs> yeah. But then they hear it and they're like, this is a lot of fun. And then yeah. if we try and go into house music, because it's a natural transition, sure. um, and you see them stop dancing. Okay. And you go back in the disco and they're like, yeah. You get them hooked on that That's weird bass line. You know? And that time period was insane. Oh, yeah. The more I research and crate dig. So now I find myself in 
San Francisco, New York. I'm here. Yeah. I'm going to go find a record store and I'm going to create Dig for Disco. Where it used to be punk records and like, you know, now I'm trying to find disco cuts from Dude, promo only stuff. I thought you'd be bigger. <laughs> or I thought you'd be more metal. <laughs> yeah, it's strange. It's still there. Don't it's worry. <laughs> can't strip yourself of that no. punk mentality. Well, the last question, of course, which is going to be a pleasure to ask you. We talked about Kurt Russell. So Kurt Russell's off the table for now. But... You are having a sip of, let's we'll just say Nika, right? Nika's a cool sure. one. You're sipping some Nika at your favorite bar in the world, and you can have a conversation with anybody living or deceased. Who would be the person you would love to just sit there and wax poetic with? That's easy. Oh. Rodney Dangerfield. Oh, my God. Yeah. Fucking Rodney Dangerfield. Rodney Dangerfield, man. Amazing. That, that guy. Uh, talk about a story Yeah. from hardship to hardship, falling down over and over and over again and then just trying it one more time and there's i mean i used to love his movies like his character is hilarious you know i was like i want to be that guy when i get older he's awesome that's like the best grandpa ever um and then researching him and learning about what he did i mean he was he tried being a comedian Mm -hmm. failed and failed they didn't get it Uh, i think he was doing some kind of you know blue collar work had a family uh, I think some, something happened. I'm not really sure. Like his parent, he was abandoned and stuff too, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, I think he was in his 40s or maybe even 50s. Yeah. He opened a club in New York. And, and I think it was in Harlem. Oh, shit. And, uh, and that's where Jim Carrey will contest to it. Like, that he was the one of the most genuine people I've ever met. Wow. Like, for, for, for his slogan being, I get no respect. Yeah. He's so well respected. That's amazing. I would love to just drink a beer with Rodney Dangerfield. At a country club. That's incredible, man. And just like just dress like complete weirdos. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta get your ass kicked out of there. Yeah. Right? And you literally get no respect. <laughs> <laughs> well, to that point, the interview he did with Howard Stern, I don't know if you saw it. I don't think I know that one. Really good. Check it out. Yeah. It's, you, you dive into the man who's like a really humble guy. Yeah. And he's not just a bunch of catchphrases. I think we lose sight of that, you know? Yeah. I mean, Every, everything I've read about him, everyone said he just gave you a chance yeah. just because. Like That's if he cool. liked you, he would just he would give you a chance. Yeah. And if you sucked, then you did. If you didn't, then you had your chance. That's the kind of guy. <laughs> like, I like that about him. Maybe that's the kind of guy you are. Everybody Maybe it is. Everybody gets a chance. Get Everybody's... respect. <laughs> Get plenty of respect, man. Andy, man, finally made this happen. I'm glad yeah, I hounded you for months and drinking stuff from Anchor. I, Honestly, it's a hell of a portfolio to I be love able it. to walk into a room with. You're a good dude, and I can't wait to see where this all ends up. And I know that you have no idea where that is. <laughs> There's the fun in it, yeah? Let's do it. All right. Thanks, mate. Thanks, bud. Well, there we have it. Mr. Andy Mauer from Anchor Spirits. Talk about some mezcales. We talk about some aperitifs. It's a great collection of stuff at Anchor Spirits, and it's great to sit and sip that stuff with Andy. Also, this music, this musical background he has kind of influenced. And we talked about this and, you know, maybe it's common knowledge, maybe not. But I write all the songs for these introductions and all of this interstitial music for the podcast. And Andy being into hardcore, Andy being into disco, I wanted to write a song to kind of commemorate him in a sense. So I finally did that. Finally get to share this song. So Andy, you inspired me. You interesting mix of so many different backgrounds. You man, you. So thanks, everybody, for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter how far you are along and binge watching, curb your enthusiasm on Amazon Prime or 
If you're thinking, I don't know if I should binge watch American Horror Story's new season or not, clowns are kind of creepy. Please, keep dancing.